Hello, and welcome to PCB Chat, where we talk with experts across the printed circuit design, manufacturing, and supply chain fields. I'm Mike Buto, president of the PCEA. Just a week ago, the Printed Circuit Board Association of America, or PCBAA, held its first annual meeting at which they shared progress on their overarching goal, which is to advance U.S. domestic production of PCBs and base materials. Coinciding with that meeting came an announcement from a pair of U.S. legislators that they had introduced a bill to incentivize purchases of domestically produced PCBs, as well as industry investments in factories, equipment, workforce training, and research and development. That bill, known as the Supporting American Printed Circuit Boards Act of 2022, is said to be modeled on the CHIPS Act of 2021, a much-touted piece of legislation that earmarks more than $50 billion toward new onshore semiconductor fabrication plants. Timing is everything, right? Joining me today is Travis Kelly, President and Chief Executive of Isola, the materials developer and Chairman of the PCBAA. Travis, welcome back to PCB Chat. It's good to talk with you again. Yeah, you as well, Mike. Happy to be here. I want to chat about the May meeting in a moment, but first, can we get your thoughts on the Supporting American Printed Circuit Boards Act, or what I'm going to call the Boards Bill? Uh, what, in your estimation, are the key provisions? Yeah, so that's a great question, Mike, and you know, I'm very happy to be here and discuss the Supporting American Printed Circuit Boards Act uh, and, and, the, and the implication for domestic uh, suppliers of PCBs. So once again, the association is grateful to both representatives Ishu and Blake for taking on this important issue, as you and I have discussed in the past. As you know well, uh, Mike, the U.S. PCB industry shrunk uh, to the point where we only produce 4% of the world's PCBs, down from approximately 26% 20 years ago. This means that the semiconductor industry, as well as other uh, microelectronics uh, industries and segments, are reliant on PCBs, because as we all know, chips don't float. What's important here is the legislation that's been introduced, um, the Boards Act, as you uh, re refer to it as, calls for $3 billion uh, of investments in the following areas, uh, domestic manufacturing of PCBs, research and development facilities and workforce initiatives, and then also there's tax incentives uh, to individuals, uh, companies that purchase domestic PCBs. Uh, that it's approximately 25% tax credit for purchase of American-made PCBs that will help offset, and this is the important part, that will help offset the cost differential that has happened because other countries, primarily uh, in Asia, have heavily subsidized other industries. So it's very difficult for some domestic um, fabricators and other microelectronics suppliers to compete. So this levels the playing field. Yeah, so $3 billion, that's, that's about $3 billion more than has been invested by the federal government in the PCB industry in, oh, about 30 years, right? <laughs> well, that's just it. And I mean, really, you know, it goes back to the, the CHIPS Act, too, with the $52 billion, you know, earmarked for, for that. I mean, you know, I know you and I have talked several times, Mike, and obviously the Printed Circuit Board Association of America continues to educate, advocate, and legislate. Um, not only government, but industry, I mean, ultimately, 
it is a large and complex ecosystem that we're operating in. So although, you know, chips, semiconductors, they get the most focus right now because of the supply chain issues. And, you know, that relates to vehicles and the long waits for people trying to order cars. But as you know, it's much more complex than that, you know, because we don't talk about advanced packaging. We don't talk about the fact that although you can build foundries in the United States, you still have to send those chips back um, to primarily Asia for advanced packaging. And then you have to embed them onto a printed circuit board. So, you know, once again, chips don't float. We need people to be conversant on that. And then all of us working together to figure out what is the root cause problem that we're trying to solve and what are the corrective actions that we need to implement to make sure we have a sustainable, viable and trusted source of PCBs and the material supplies uh, that go into it. And, and that's a great point, right? So, and, and not to make too much light of the of the three billion dollar investment, that was just kind of a little bit of a uh, you know a tongue in cheek comment. But uh, you know, I think what's important here is that in my experience, the government puts its money where its priorities are, and that they are committing any sum uh, to the print circuit board industry is a step in the right direction insofar as their recognition of how critical this industry really is. I want to talk a little bit about that 25% tax credit. That really levels the playing field in terms of making costs more comparable to Southeast Asian sources. Do you think that that will actually stick in the final bill? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, ultimately, you know, we're very pleased to your point that this bill was introduced because at the very least, it's showing that there is momentum. You know, the government is investing into this microelectronics ecosystem called printed circuit boards. So there's recognition and people are becoming more conversant on the topic. However, you know, let's be realistic. It is an election year. You know, we're going into midterms. It's always hard to gauge Congress's intent to move legislation. So I I don't want to opine on, do I think like part of the bill will be passed and what parts will be passed and what won't be passed? Because it's very difficult uh, going into such, um, I'll say, a volatile midterm election right now. Legislators like representatives issue and more recognize the dire straits that our industry is in. So I look at that as a positive. Um, I think ultimately, uh, I agree, and I think you agree that microelectronics are largely hidden in the shadow of the chip shortage, like I've already explained. So this is getting more recognition. I think a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, what is a printed circuit board and what is happening in this industry? So once again, I I think this allows us to ensure that people viscerally understand that it's a lot bigger than just uh, semiconductors. So once again, I think, um, you know, we're optimistic that the bill was introduced. Um, It's a national priority that has long, too long been invisible to anyone outside of our industry. So I look at it, I look at all of this as very positive for the overall industry. You know, I, I don't want to politicize this, but it can't hurt that uh, the supply issues that Russia is currently experiencing, um, it kind of drives home the point just how important it is to have these supply chains and materials, um, you know, available at a moment's notice. Yeah, Mike, that's a great point. I mean, we continue, you know, it seems like every time you and I speak or I have other interviews, there's always another, you know, issue uh, from around the globe. So, you know, once again, you know, what's happening in in, in Ukraine with Russia, 
obviously, you know, the rolling blackouts in, in China relative to the COVID-19 and Omicron uh, variants spreading there rapidly. So once again, every time I think there is a glimmer of hope and people see that maybe the supply chain is correcting itself. Now we're back to, you know, where it originally started and we're going to see that, you know, the supply chain gets tighter because although, you know, the port in Shanghai is open, it's still not at the efficiency levels that it was before the shutdowns. So you have a lot of containers that are trapped right now on those ships waiting to get into that port. So, you know, once again, typically we won't see the ramifications of that until 60 to 90 days after the, the blackout. So to your point, we're, we're going to continue as a nation to really have to make um, conscious decisions relative to where are we willing to invest? Where are we willing to maybe spend a little bit more for that um, trusted supply chain and resilient supply chain? And these conversations are bipartisan. I mean, ultimately, as a nation, we have to make sure that we can, you know, fulfill the demands of our people and what we can do to be um, what we need to do to be successful and ensure that we don't run short on critical applications or critical supplies. About that bipartisan support, Anna Ishii represents a portion of the Silicon Valley, the California district that's heavily invested, not just in electronics manufacturing, but also in their customers. Uh, Representative Blake Moore comes from Ogden, Utah, which is home to some key U.S. defense manufacturing operations. Spartronics has the EMS site there, which is the former Innovar. TTM has the board fabrication shop in Logan, which is less than an hour down the road. Has PCBAA had conversations with representatives issue or more? And if so, what is your general sense of their focus on this bill? I mean, are they making this a, a primary part of their their legislative calendar for the next year? Yeah, so that's a great question, Mike. And let me let me segue into the Printed Circuit Board Association of America meeting that we just had last week in Washington, D.C. It was our, our inaugural uh, annual meeting. So first one, it's a newly formed organization, as you know, so we've only been in existence for roughly a year, but we've got a lot of consequential things done. And I'm going to answer your question relative to more an issue and, and their passion towards this industry and ultimately uh, the bill. So we have right now, when I think when you and I spoke uh, several months ago, we had five founding members. We've grown the PCBAA to 17 members, and all were re- represented last week in Washington, D.C. It was great because we got a chance to, uh, to get to know each other beyond just the Zoom calls like we're on now and actually seeing people in three-dimensional uh, uh, situations, which was fantastic. Uh, we had great. Th- we had three great speakers, and this is how I'm going to answer your question. First and foremost, uh, we had Al- uh, the Honorable Alan Schaefer, who's the former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisitions and Sustainment. He brought really good insights into the way the Department of Defense views our industry and how we can best serve the men and women in uniform. So that was a fantastic, uh, I'll say, um, speech that he gave. He also had dinner with us and our members and got into some very candid discussions and transparent discussions relative to where he sees the needs of um, the Department of Defense and Pentagon moving forward. We also had Uh, Dr. Lara Brown of George Washington University, who's a graduate uh, who works at the Graduate School of Political Management. She gave a really nice summary of the state of play in Washington, you know, what it means for midterm elections, you know, the different, um, I'll say, uh, partisan and bipartisan approaches to certain bills that will be passed and that will be introduced. And then finally, to your point, 
uh, although Congress was in recess, Congressman uh, Blake Moore took the time to talk with our members via live feed from Utah. And uh, he probably spent you know, more than 30 minutes with our team answering some pretty pointed questions, uh, obviously asking us pointed questions. And we were all very happy and impressed with how conversant um, uh, Representative Moore is on, on the industry. And I was, you know, pleasantly surprised that he understands, you know, 26% global market share going down to 4%, that the right number is obviously not myopic, meaning bring everything onshore, but it's definitely higher than 4%. He's passionate about the the bill uh, that was introduced relative to supporting PCBs. And it, it really has garnered a lot of bipartisan support because you have, you know, Obviously, Moore, who represents the Republicans, Ishu, who rep- uh, uh, represents the Democrats, really working hand in hand to get this bill introduced. So I, it was a great discussion. The fact that he took time, even though Congress is in recess, to spend time with the 17 members and, and it really answer some really difficult questions and, and try to figure out, too, from an industry standpoint, you know, when you look at defense spending and what that means to our microelectronics industry, it's a relatively small portion of the overall sales, right, within the U.S. And, and as you know, the demand signal is volatile at best, right? It's high mix, low volume. So really looking at ways of what can we do to really classify certain critical components. So as opposed to just looking at defense, you know, what about banking, right? What about medical? What about critical infrastructure like 5G? And is there a potential way to aggregate that demand? demand signal. So if you're a domestically located PCB or material supplier, you can actually have some, I'll say, stability with that demand signal. And in, in a demand signal that's big enough where you're willing to invest those CapEx dollars to, to similar with the government, uh, with the bill introduces, which is an investment in the overall industry. So just a really strong conversation. I think our members very much appreciated it. And I think, you know, coming out of the meeting, we have a lot of work to do relative to how do we continue to garner that momentum and get consequential things done well into 2022 and future years. So I know that uh, building your membership is, uh, has to be a priority uh, for the coming year. Uh, where does this uh, board spill stand in that uh, priority list and, and what else is on that list? Yeah, so we, we look at a bunch of things. I mean, when you when you think about, you know, the offshoring that's taken place over the last 20 years, you're not just offshoring the brick and mortar, you're offshoring the techno, technological know-how. So, uh, you know, I use examples like uh, signal integri- integrity engineers and, and the like that's absolutely critical for what we do as an industry. So the focus of the PCBAA is obviously to continue to educate, advocate, and legislate on behalf of the domestic PCB industry. But the, what does that really mean? Let's look at some of the top uh, critical items that we need to really get our voice around. One would be, and you and I have talked about this before, but like STEM, right? So how do we get the right sciences and mathematics and so on and so forth into the schools to ensure that we have you know, the right um, talent that we need to be successful as an industry. On top of that is workforce development. So for people that are out of school, how can we continue to get them uh, up to speed on the nuances of our industry? How can we continue to train and develop that workforce? And then ultimately as well, how do we build out the right infrastructure for our industry as a whole, right? So automation of factories, because part of the, you know, the tax incentive is definitely helpful, but we as an industry have to innovate as well. Like how can we take costs 
out of our system. And, you know, you'll hear value stream mapping and Kaizen's and that's all part of it. So it's really the PCBAA's focus right now is to once again, protect some of the wins we have, because obviously everyone's legislating every year and we have to make sure that, you know, the wins we've had with the National Defense Authorization Act, you know, the, the obviously um, this uh, uh, supporting a printed circuit boards act, uh, which, you know, our members had, you know, firsthand uh, their hands in uh, helping form that language, the PCBAA, other organizations. So it's really an assault on all fronts. But we need as an organization to focus on, you know, what do we need to continue to develop that resilient supply chain? And it's more than just hey, we need to build more printed circuit boards and have more material suppliers. It's building up the education. It's building up the workforce development, the infrastructure. So, you know, I use the example. It's like eating an elephant, right? It has to be a bite at a time. If you just try to solve all the problems at once, it's overwhelming. Because you can't offshore, you can't offshore or over twenty years and expect that you're going to, you know, flip a light switch and get it fixed in a year. So this is this is a marathon, not a sprint. I know that we're running short on time, Travis. Is there anything else you want to, uh, you know, make sure our our listeners uh, know about before we close out? Yeah, you know, I think ultimately what I'm very happy about and thankful for is, you know, with the work that our, I'll say our complementary organizations are doing, because you have USPAE, we have very influential members as part of the PCBAA that have also had definitely a first round seat, I'll say a chair at the table, uh, supporting this bill, and then obviously the PCBAA. It just seems like we're getting a lot more traction, and more and more people are talking about the PCBA slash microelectronics industry. So I'm very encouraged. We still have a lot of work to do, like I said, but I'm very encouraged with the momentum I've seen over the last 12 months. And I'm very excited to see what the next 12 months will bring. I would agree. I'm looking forward to it as well. Our guest today has been Travis Kelly, President and Chief Executive of Isola and the Chairman of the Printed Circuit Board Association of America. For PCB Chat, this is Mike Buto. Have a nice day.